News Talk On Demand. Interruption-free audio, where you want it, when you want it. Good morning, and welcome to Garden Talk on 650 CKOM and 980 CJME. I'm Jay Thomas. With me, like always, Rick and Jill Van Dyvendyke. Good morning, guys. Good, Good morning. morning. Here we are, stepping that much closer to Christmas. Like, it's just around the corner now. Can you believe it? Oh, yep, it, it is. is coming so close. I think Christmas party season is in full, full swing right now. I know that um, my mom, Rick, your wife, is uh, decorating for Christmas today. So yep. you guys have your first Christmas party tomorrow night, I think. Tomorrow night, yeah, and then another Ooh. one, I think, on Wednesday, and another one, I can't remember, there's a bunch of them. <laughs> yeah. Now, one of the things that my mom always does is she uses lots of live greens in her house, yep. and uh, I love just the different ways that she uses them, too. So she puts a few live greens in her garland just to add that smell. Um, at her front step, she uses some cedar and some, um, some yep. fur and in the, some in pine the, in the, the pots. pots. We drag the pots inside um, and, and thaw them out, and then holy, and then drag and then decorate. And she has this up. beautiful lantern she puts in one, and then it's put, a big one. It's tall, and it's about and then puts the light tall. in it, and then puts the greens around it. It looks really pretty, nice, yep. and inviting to her home. Another thing that a lot of people are doing is taking the greens and they're putting them in a, like a big glass vase, yep. and then um, sticking them in water, and then maybe floating some cranberries and some floating candles in there too. So that. You just have to change the water every couple of days when you do that. But that looks really pretty, very easy way to do, add a centerpiece into your home. We have a big timber um, light that I made for over top of the kitchen counter. Yes, yes. Right, it's like a 12 by 12 timber. And then the light's hanging from that. And, uh, and she drapes and so, greens so through we, that too. We do a, like a rope, a greens rope, you know, a cedar rope. And then you do all the little, you know, artificial poinsettias and that kind of stuff in there. It looks pretty cool. I think that this deserves some pictures, maybe. Like, <laughs> I think we need know, to get some pictures on our Instagram. Face, yeah, Instagram, <laughs> Facebook for Dutch growers, maybe, that we should see some, you know, some, some of this decorating. Another really neat one that people are doing is taking the live greens and the berries and they're freezing them into like almost like a vase type mold. Yep. And oh, then they will yep. stick their bottle of wine in it to chill or else they'll um, float that in their punch as well. So there's just so many different things that you can, yep. you can mm. do with the live greens other than just putting a wreath on your door. And go, go out and cut a few dogwood branches and that and help stick that in to make them, you know, just give that little extra look and and uh, it looks really good. So, yeah. yeah. No, it's so you're pruning of, your dogwoods and you you're and, enjoying the decor and, and as well. The, and the, <laughs> grab a few juniper branches, you know, because there's some of them are hanging over the sidewalk and things like that anyway. So you just prune them off and you can add that into your decor as well and give you a bit of fragrance inside the house. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. I think a lot of people really enjoy that part of this, this time of year. You know, yep. there's so many different ways you can decorate your home for Christmas, right? There's, you know, all, all of what we're talking about. Yep. The Christmas so many, tree. Yeah. There's right? like using garlands, changing out some of your artwork, um, even adding like those Christmas fragrances to your home, like with the, with the Fraser fir or the pine. Um, at, or like adding some candles or the Christmas baking. Like oh. it's just, I don't know. There's something about this season. It just brings so much warmth. Yeah, to a, your home. It's called a times. The name of his times Fraser fir candles, right? Okay. Yeah. You put those in there and, and uh, I tell you, you just, that's my auth most authentic smelling. The, they they give you the smell mm. of no. a Christmas tree in the house. Big time. Right on. I yeah. really love that one. Yeah. 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 You know, and it's fascinating how this has changed over the years. You know, like I, 
back when, when I was a kid, younger, you know, Christmas was just sort of you kind of halt the same decorations, but yeah. the, the idea of decorating for Christmas and what we're talking about, all the greens, the ways expanded, the different ways you can decorate for Christmas, the different styles that people decorate now, that's really grown, you know, over the last kind of couple decades, right? Yeah. And I think having access to things like social media and, uh, different influencers and Pinterest, you, Pinterest, you get yeah. all of these yeah. ideas. Um, on how you can like sort of incorporate different things and sort of la- make the season last a little bit longer because we used to decorate like right before Christmas and that used to be the tradition. But now people are putting their Christmas decor up right after Halloween <laughs> yeah. and they're enjoying it right until the new year. And so they really want it to be sort of an addition to their home and make the little bit of their style shine through. Totally, totally. Yeah, there's so many ways you can take that direction of, of and and they're going right decorating. to Ukrainian Christmas right until the seventh of yeah January as well. Right? Yeah, that's so. right. Yeah, it's an awesome season. Yeah, it's a pretty warm feeling. Uh, now I know you went away for a few days to go watch Lexi play hockey. Yeah, I was uh, out in in Wilcox, Saskatchewan, and Milestone, Saskatchewan. Oh, right on. Two great rinks. Milestone's is a really nice rink there. To, to, the community's done a great job there. So it's uh, it, we had lots lots. Watch lots of hockey this weekend. <laughs> so. And when you came back, you put your Christmas tree up right before you left. And when yep, you came yep. back, your Christmas tree wasn't sucking water anymore. It, it sucked really good for the f- about four or five days uh, since we, when we put it up. You know, it sucked yeah. really good. So that was good. It hydrated itself. But then we went away from left Thursday morning, got home last night, right? So um, was it out of water or it, the water no, was still in water it? water was still in it. That was worried me. So Ooh. it wasn't sucking water anymore. So uh, right away, I I got first got the watering can out and I climbed up on top of my kitchen counter and watered my my uh, my live greens and that that were on top of that that timber light. Right? Okay, yeah. So I watered those because we have a tray up there of water and then Oasis in it, right? So you Oasis is a floral foam. It's a floral foam. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it sucks water up, and so it does a really good job of keeping things wet. So filled that up, and then went down to my tree, checked my tree. Oh, oh it's not sucked. Didn't see, it only sucked a little bit of water. So then I went to the garage, got my drill and my bits, and went down and drilled holes into the into the trunk of the tree underneath the, the water line. So we'll see you today how much that. Um, and I didn't check it this morning, but I'll check today. And see how it sucked, if it sucked water up again overnight. I guess that's the trick then, right? If, if you've yep. got a tree now set up and it's not sucking water up, yep. that's what you've got to do, right? I just drilled some new fresh holes just below the water line and, uh, and then, um, uh, give it, top it off just a little bit more so that the water's above those holes. Yep. And then now you have, it's like having a fresh cut. Right. Again, right? Right. So, okay. Now you're talking about that floral foam and one thing that, um, people, um, I've seen all over the places. Don't use floral foam. It's not sustainable and biodegradable to the environment. They've actually changed the makeup of it now. So when people are going to buy that floral foam, yep. it does um, it does bio, it does break, break down. down. Oh, so, good. Okay. So that's something that's new that a lot of people don't know. Um, yep. So that's. I just wanted to mention that as well. Oh, okay. All right. <laughs> hey, if you want to join the conversation, uh, give us a call or send us a text, one 332 8255 Two great ways to join the conversation. Just like this morning already, we had uh, Gene in Prince Albert send us a question. So awesome. we'll go over there. How do you keep a rosemary plant inside for the winter? I also have trouble with lavender. Okay, so both of those are very woody plants and they require quite a bit of sunlight. So what you need to do is you need to add a grow light to your area and you also need to watch your watering. Um, so you'll need to make sure that you're letting the soil dry out slightly between waterings um, 
So stick your finger into the soil, probably about an inch or two down, and it should feel dry to the touch before you're watering it indoors. Mm, okay. Um, with that, you'll also want to add some added humidity into your house too. So you want the soil dry, but you still want to add some humidity. So putting a pebble tray or something like that, make sure you're fertilizing it often. With that grow light, it's going to be actively growing. So you want to be fertilizing it often and trimming it often so that it's continuing to grow. Um, so yeah. What type, that, of, what type of fertilizer? Um, I would just do like an all-purpose fertilizer, like a 2020 fertilizer. You can even use an organic fertilizer or something with some different kelps and um, and and that and it would be would be great too, um, but yeah, that's the biggest thing with with rosemary and lavender is they're both woody plants, so they do require um, that sunlight in mm, order to, mm-hmm. to be able to grow. Whereas something like basil or lettuce or those types of things, you can get away with a little bit less light. Maybe grow those in a window window area. Now pebble trays, um, just so people in case your listeners not, not sure what that is, and we should be using pebble trays more often, especially. Saskatchewan, when we get cold, like we went through a spell of really cold, you notice how our house would get really dry, right, when it's got cold. It just sucks the moisture right out of the house. And so what you need to do is put a bigger tray underneath your your plants, put a bunch of rocks in it, doesn't matter what type of rocks, as long as your pot doesn't sit in the water. You want the pot to sit over top of the water, okay? Okay, yeah. So so then the rocks are going to be higher than the water, and then what happens is as as the, the water evaporates in that tray, through the rocks, it, it it basically causes humidity up through the leaves of the plants, and then that gives the plant its humidity to be able to you know stand our 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 cold, dry winters here. The tough part is that when we get down to that minus you know twenty eight, thirty, thirty five yep. range and into the forties, yep. which we had this past week, okay. you know it was nuts. But it's it's tough because you want to keep the plants going and happy and healthy. Yep. But if you get too much humidity in your house, yep. you end up with frosty windows well, and, that's, and that's what condensation the, building up. With right? a pe- pebble tree, you're not going to get a huge amount because don't forget, it's not going to dry up that quickly. Right. Just enough that it's going to be able to it's get It's a some... little less than maybe putting buckets around your house of water. It's just yep. like a little bit of water. Water. There's like maybe a yeah. centimeter or two of water in that tray. All right, okay. Well, it's not yeah. the same as putting a humidifier beside the plant, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, okay. So Fair you're enough. blowing yeah. air. And, uh, adding a little diffuser. Those yeah. are really popular right yeah. now, too. I've noticed, too, that uh, my plants do much better, especially when, if they're near a register, I make sure that register is closed. Yes. Yeah. Right? So, like, uh, the rest of them are open in the house. Obviously, you got to have some warmth. But <laughs> yeah. where where they are too close to a register... Yeah. I've shut that register yeah. because I noticed, ooh, this thing is drying out really fast if there's always just hot, warm air blowing at it and all the, the time. And the problem is, though, is that underneath every window is a register usually, right? Yeah. So that's, that's, so that's where you want your plants as well. Now, one thing, Jay, with that rosemary and lavender, um, getting back to that question, is they can take cuttings off of those. Those are really easy. You dip them in a little bit of rooting hormone and stick them into some soil, and you can make some new lavender and new mm. um, rosemary plants, too. So that's something that I usually would start to do in about February, middle of February. If they want to take some cuttings off, strip the bottom leaves, make a sharp cut underneath a node, which is where the leaves branch out, yep. stick it in some um, rooting hormone and put it in soil. Keep that soil slightly moist, and with a grow light on it, you'll get some new rosemary and lavender plants. And the rooting hormone is number two or number three because it is a hardwood, more of a hardwood cutting. So number two or number three. Number one is more for geraniums and softwood cuttings. Sounds good. Okay. So if you got a question like Gene had, one 332 8255 I'm Jay with Jill and Rick. We'll be right back with more Garden Talk on 650 CKOM and 980 CJME.
Welcome back to Garden Talk on 980 CJME and 650 CKOM. I'm Jay Thomas here with Jill and Rick Van Dyven Dyke. Rick, you know, I was going to ask you, uh, before we get going with talking with some of our texts and things like that, yeah. do we do any tree pruning this time of year? Do Absolutely. we still go out, get out and do that? Well, my, it's like this morning, it's minus six, right? Yeah, right. So definitely you can get out there because there's a lot of yards that don't have a ton of snow in them yet. You know, so you can mm-hmm. get out yeah. there and see your trees, especially your trees. A lot of people ask me about... You know, they have, they want to trim their spruce trees up a couple, you know, take a little row of branches off the bottom. And so uh, that you can do. You just got to remember when you do that, those, nothing's going to grow underneath there. So a lot of people either like to leave them right touching the ground so you can't see underneath there the branches. Yep. Or they trim them up so you can walk underneath it or see underneath it. But you're not going to plant nothing underneath there. So just remember that, that, you know, you're not going to plant a juniper, you're not going to plant a perennial or nothing. You're going to put a, if you want to put anything underneath there, you're going to put a pot or yeah, a, some flower containers yeah. with some plants in like some, you know, some, uh, some begonias or some impatience or that to give you some coloring there because you're just going to put mulch and because grass is not going to grow underneath yeah, there. Yeah. So you're better off to just put like an edging, a border yep. to separate your lawn, yep. fill it in with, you know, mulch, rocks, something. And right? then edging got to be careful with too. People asking about, can I put edging? Yes, you can. But when you come to a, because a lot of the big spruce roots are fairly close to the surface. Mm, yeah. So when you dig your edges, you know, your trough for your edge to go down, you're going to have to notch your edging out because you can't cut those roots off. <laughs> yeah, I guess, right? right? Yeah. Because you just cut, you cut the bloodline off for the whole tree, right? Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. you basically got to make a notch in your, in your edging and go around that big root. Okay. You just can't cut it off. People think, oh, okay, I know I'm just going to cut that root off. It's in the way. And all of a sudden they wonder why they're getting some dead branches on that side of the tree, right? <laughs> and so, and, and I get that question all the time. People put a new grass, you know, uh, uh, you know, a, a garage on this in the back of their yard or whatever, and they're yeah. cutting or a new sidewalk on that. And then they wonder why later on, you know, the, the branches are dying because they cut the, you know, the branches right tight to the trunk or something like that, you know? Yep. Right. And so then you'll lose some. So you got to remember that part. But yeah, yeah, put an edging around it and then just put mulch. Yeah. I don't even like put, don't put rock. No. Okay, because the needles fall like crazy, and <laughs> and then how do you get all those needles out of the rock? So this way here, if you have mulch, you just you know top off the mulch every couple of years, and and or you can just you know rake up your mulch a little bit and incorporate the needles in the mulch, and then you, it's just cleaner. You bring your Dyson out and just you know yeah stay vacuuming his, yeah, his needles. Suck up all the <laughs> now, all the needles. Now, Rick, a little bit of pruning that I have to do in my yard yep. that I noticed is I have two hydrangeas on either side of yep. my step, and I liked the look of the blooms on them in the fall, especially when they turned like a beautiful like fall yep. colors, and then they turned sort of brown and they dried. And so I didn't cut them back. But now what I'm noticing is as I'm shoveling off my my mm-hmm. step. The snow is landing on them and it's actually breaking the branches. Yeah, so you should cut and so I'm going to go through and I'm going to cut them to about maybe about a third of the size just so that I don't have that weight on those branches and that's going to help it so that I don't have any bad breaks on you my You could do that, but the best thing to do there is just cut the balls of flowers off because the flowers is what's catching the snow. Yeah. Right? Mostly. So I, like in, in that case, because you're throwing snow, you can trim them down. But in other cases where mine were out in the yard, I need those branches to act as little snow fences to catch more snow. Okay. Right? Yeah. So I don't want to trim them down way out in the yard. But in your case, you're you're piling snow on top of them, so yeah, you could trim them down, not a problem, because uh, they're being protected. Yeah, I also have two um, four foot cedars on either side, and again, the s- 
snow gets shoveled onto these yep. because there's nowhere else to put it. And so I like what we talked about last week about yep. maybe like tying them up a little bit with mm-hmm. some twine yep. so that when I shovel the snow on top of them, it doesn't make them yep. open up through yep. the top. Um, especially because my kids a lot of times are the ones shoveling the snow on top of them. So they're not really aware that they're wrecking my plants, right? <laughs> yeah. So um, yeah. I think I'm just going to do that and be a little bit proactive. So I'm going to take some string and yeah. I'm going to tie them up. String or old pantyhose, anything. Bungee cord soft. But, you know, yeah. so, something soft even, you know, so that helps a lot. And and uh, and if you, you know, otherwise what you do, and if you know that that's every year, just put a few stakes in the ground around them and now you can just tie around the stakes yeah, to, keep them, to keep them in, right? No, so. I don't want to tie too tight though because I still want some airflow in there because yep. I don't want to have all this browning inside. Just enough spring. to hold them so they don't open up. That's and all. then once the snow starts melting, I'll take that string off. Yeah, or if they've opened up and you're putting them up, you might have to leave it up there for a little bit longer so that they just stiffen back up mm. again and stay oh, together. Right. They haven't okay. had the wind and everything yep. holding it up. They're yep. soft. Okay. Let's go to the text line. one Seven seven three three two eight two five five. This is from not sure, but the, the text is great. Good morning. Can you tell me why my amaryllis bulb is only producing leaves this year? No flowers. Thanks and enjoy your show. Um, it could be if it's a second year or third year amaryllis bulb. It could just be that um, it hadn't didn't go through a long enough co- cooling period. Mm. Um, or sometimes you can buy a bulbs that have not gone through the cooling process yet. So it's really important in that about like September month, um, September, October, sort of let decreasing your watering a little bit, letting them die back down into the bulb and then putting them through a cold, sp- cold storage about six to eight weeks. Um, you could even put them up to 10 weeks into cold storage. Um, and that's putting them into a dark area where they can just get their energy back into the bulb, a cold area like a crisp river fridge away from any fruits and vegetables and then get them up and blooming again. Um, what you can do this year, maybe you've, you've missed that opportunity for them to bloom for this season. Um, you can enjoy them just as a leafy plant in your home, um, for this season and then, um, let that have that cycle happen. The next year, or pick up a new bulb for this year. What I've done also, though, is that if I ha- if I haven't gone through that, because a lot of times I'll leave the bulb outside, right? In, mm, okay. In Aug- in like August, because night times are cool, right? Mm-hmm. And then the first part of first part of September, I'll leave them outside as well. And then that way, as long as you don't get frost, right? So that way they get the cool evenings, because the evenings are still you know like about four or five degrees a lot of times, and so that's enough. But then also, what you could try right now, if you wanted to try also, and that has worked really well, is if they've had that bulb for a few years and it just has leaves, pull it out of the pot, mm-hmm. okay, and replant it back in the same pot again. Yeah. That shock from the roots being disturbed and going back in will all of a sudden trigger it to say, okay, I better produce some seed. Oh, okay. Yeah. Right? Now, I, need to, I need to reproduce myself because I might be in trouble because something happens happened to me. The big question I've got is I've seen amaryllis bulbs for sale, different stores, if they're just a bulb right now with a little stubby nub of a green tip on it, yep. are you going to have a flower by Christmas? Uh, if you keep it in a cool, dark area, probably not. Right. But uh, maybe a south-facing window, something that's got a lot of heat, you'll start seeing that stem sp- pop up really quickly. As soon as that stem is up a few inches, within a week, sometimes you'll have some blooms on it. My amaryllis bulb, it's one of those wax bulbs, and I put it in the center of a live green arrangement with some Christmas greens around mm-hmm, it. Mm-hmm. And it was sitting about maybe an inch or two out of the bulb, just the stem. Um, and within two weeks, I have five flowers on mine and a second stalk coming out of wow. mine now. So uh, it's absolutely beautiful. Now, Rick, you had mentioned that um, when you were letting your bulb be outside, yep. um, you wanted it to to, um, to just acclimatize, acclimatize, yeah. but you don't want that temperature to go below 10 degrees because it is a tropical plant. Yeah. 
Okay, good uh, good stuff. We're going to take a quick break. We're going to get back to a few more texts when we get back from this. We're going to talk about Christmas trees as well. A little bit more to come with that. Maybe if you're in Regina, you might want to take a road trip today. Uh, we'll, we'll get to that in a second. <laughs> I'm Jay with Jill and Rick. You're listening to Garden Talk on 650 CKOM and 980 CJME. The show already gone. Can't believe how fast it's going. Welcome back to Garden Talk on 650 CKOM and 980 CJME. I'm Jay with Jill and Rick Van Dyven. We want to talk a little bit about a couple of calls that you guys are getting because I mean, obviously people are still looking for Christmas trees, right? Yep. Like this is, but we hear in Regina there aren't so many left. No, I know the Dutch growers in Regina, our sister store. Um, they are th- yesterday. They had like two trees left, yep. and yeah, there wasn't um, much left there at all. Was there? Yes, yeah, I was there on Saturday. Yeah, there wasn't much left there. Yeah, wow! Not much left at all. We still have some trees. I I just looked yeah. it up. We have make maybe like, um, maybe about twenty to thirty trees of some different sizes. Um, so there is still some trees around. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But take a look around. Phone around. You'll find some. Or yes. come for a drive. Yeah, yeah. Go for a drive. <laughs> I know up in the um, PA National Park, um, Prince Albert National yep. Park, they have opened up to cut down your own Christmas tree. So yep. that's yes. something. And I you don't even go that far. You, there's some provincial forests up around Duck Lake and up there. You just have to find out where the crown land is. You just can't go into private land, obviously. Mm-hmm. Right? Yes. Yeah. Uh, so you have to find that out and find out. About you can go onto the websites and they'll tell you where you can cut and all that kind of stuff. And also, I think uh, south end of this, the province, uh, Cypress Hills, Cypress Hills is also doing the same yeah. program yeah. where they they'll, there's places to cut down there yeah. as well. Places where they're trying to cr- stop, make sure there's no forest fires that get away, you know, and that kind of stuff underneath, you know, even you know places underneath, you know, the power lines and all that kind of stuff. So they're they got places where you can go and cut um, properly. Yeah, so if you just uh, Google online, just. Cutting down a Christmas tree um, in the in the provincial forest, yep. you'll be able to find some information, and they'll have some different guidelines of what to look for okay. there too. So, are there tree shortages this year? There yeah. is tree shortages this year. I know for us, um, we've been having tree shortages for the last few years. Just certain varieties, especially. Okay. Um, some of the balsam firs, you can find still a bunch out there. Uh, some Scotch pines, you can still find some out there. But some of the Fraser firs, definitely there's a shortage of them, of Fraser firs. And it, it will start building up again as yep. the farms, as the trees start growing. But there was a shortage of seed and seedlings um, for a little bit. Yeah, there was a crop failure. And so that, that happened quite a few years ago. But you got to remember, you just can't produce a tree in a warehouse, right? In a, in a factory. No. It has to grow. And it takes minimum, usually for some of the trees are like six to eight feet tall. You're talking about a minimum of 10 years, right? Yeah, so when a tree nursery has a crop failure for a year or two years... All of a sudden, then ten years ten later, years down the road, you got, you got a void. you're going to have a void. So that's kind of what we're dealing with right now is this little bit of a void. And the and the pandemic, you know, there was more trees cut down than normal, just because of everybody was home and wanted to put a real tree up this year. Demand, you know? yeah, demand. higher demand, yeah, higher demand. Yeah, so we're we're looking at a little bit of a shortage um, this year, maybe a little <laughs> bit next year, um, but we're hoping that the the stock supply will start start building back up again. And especially, it's, I'm talking about where you see the shortage is mostly is it, it, we call premium number one trees. Okay, so the ones where you want to go and pick the perfect tree. Yes. Right? Yeah. Um, you can find a lot of still a bunch of number threes around and that kind of stuff because those are the ones that 
you know, most, most get sold tied up, you know, and you open the, them up and then you. More Charlie Brown style you, you trees. Up, you know, Might cutting, be missing a few branches out of the middle. Yeah. And you, right. and you can fix those up too by cutting a, a you know, lower branch off because you got to get the presence underneath the tree anyways, right? right. I yeah, tell people, exactly. Don't worry about taking a lower, 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 and then you can drill a hole and stick a branch in a little higher up, you know? And you know what actually a trend is, and I'm seeing this a lot on Instagram right now with the influencers is they'll, they'll take the, the trees and if they're, if they're missing a few branches, they'll actually just, cut more branches out to thin the tree out a little bit mm. so that it's evenly th- evenly yep. thin and then evenly thin is that a, yeah is that sure that makes sense sure. yeah and then you have more room to add the ornaments on it it gives you a little yeah. bit more european style and what my wife does also we have these big poinsettia flowers like the artificial ones right? okay yeah yeah and so they're like a pick right so now she'll stick those branches into the tree and so those a lot of times will fill up different holes as well yeah you're right. That's right. If it's a thinner tree and you want yep. that really full look, just add more stuff into add it. Add more stuff into yeah. it. More there decorations. <laughs> okay. And I mean, we, we can expect the prices are probably a little bit higher this year. That's n- that no surprise. Number though, one right? reason was because of shortage, but probably the biggest reason is because, well, look at diesel fuel right now. Yeah. I mean, your cost for shipping anything. You're $2 or at least, at least or $1.99 up to 207 a liter. And so these trucks, what do they get? Three and four miles to gallon. Miles That's a gallon. It. Yeah. <laughs> so I mean, the, the price is doubled for the fuel to get them to market. Okay. So it's that's why you're seeing the prices of food higher, a lot of things like that. So. Um, yeah, so that the cost of just to get product to market is more expensive. Unfortunately, that is reality. Yep. So if you yep. are seeing a few, you know, higher prices on trees compared yep. to say last year or the year before, yep. that's the, you know, explanation why, yep. obviously. But I also look at it as this tree is, is a centerpiece in your home and, yeah. and, um, for the season. And I look at how much maybe I would spend on a cut floral arrangement for my home like that mm-hmm. would maybe last a week or two. And I might spend a hundred dollars on a Christmas tree or $60 on a Christmas tree. Yeah. And that's going to be in my house as a centerpiece in my home for like a month. For a month, yeah. Right? Exactly. Yeah, so that's very true. A cup of coffee costs how much now at Starbucks? Like six to seven dollars? <laughs> <Yeah>. So <laughs> sure. there you go. There's ten coffees there. <laughs> okay, let's go to the text line. one eight seven seven three three two eight two five five. Uh so this one is from Barry, who's in Kindersley. He says, Good morning. When should I be starting squash and melons? Other seeds and stuff like that. Similar plants indoors that have later harvest dates. So we're, you know, obviously Barry is very excited for next growing season. And now, if you want to, you know, that's you, great. You, but the squash, the pumpkins, that kind of stuff, you're going to start. You want to basically three to four weeks before you're going to plant them out. Melons are the same thing. Melons, same thing. Yeah, okay? so I would start my melons probably about if I was sowing indoors, probably around middle of April. So between the 15th and 20th of April, yeah. I would sow those indoors. Um, you can direct sow them out, outside if you have a nice hot area yeah. outside. You can do that as well. But if you're starting them indoors, start them then. If you start those melons, squash, zucchini, cucumber, all those things too early, you're going to start, they're going to get lots of growth on it. You're going to have too many leaves. You won't have enough space in your home. Yep. Plus, you'll start getting mold and mildew issues on the leaves on the too because there's not I mean, enough airflow in right. your home. It's, yeah. it's inside. It's right. inside. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, so that's we always go by, I always buy, say, especially with melons and that because they have a type of leaf that if you get a late frost in the spring, they're going to they're gonna get hit, right? So think about the May long weekend and then take your weeks back from them. So if I want to, you know, if I want to plant, uh, you know, to start when I plant it out, so that if I want to wait three to four weeks, so then go to the May long weekend, go back three to four weeks from there. Right, right. right? Okay. Yeah, that's our standard for planting in yep. Saskatchewan anyways, is May yeah. long weekend, May long, pretty yeah. much. But if you're wanting to start, um, if you're getting antsy to get things started, things that you can start maybe in January or February are like your perennials. Um, so getting those started, things like some of your wave petunias, you can start those in February. Yep. Um, some of your flowering plants, those Geraniums. ones have a... a Geraniums, you can start. Geraniums, yeah, absolutely. Begonia bulbs, Begonia you can start. Begonia bulbs, yep. 
So all of those ones are ones that will be coming out and you'll be wanting to look at starting to sow those indoors right away. Mm-hmm. Bump them up into a pot um, so that they get some nice good root growth on them so that they're ready to go for our, our nice season. And then in February, you're going to be doing all your hot peppers. Mm, yeah, okay, okay. Your jalapenos, those kind of things. Yep. Those you can be starting in February. Late February, And then March. your sweet peppers a little bit later than that, but March, basically. Okay. okay. All right. So there is kind of something every kind of month coming along. Yep. Yeah. To look forward to. And if you stop by your garden centers, you'll be able to pick up a seed starting sh- um, sheet or even go onto their websites. And usually if you go into... There's the calendars. Seed, there's calendars on there, what to start when. Yeah. Um, there's lots of great calendars as well. Just make sure you're looking for a calendar that's meant for your area because um, that's really important too. Because yes. here in Saskatchewan, we're not planting things out till end of June. I mean, sorry, beginning of June, um, end of end of May. So um, we might have a different calendar than, say, BC. Yep. So just sort of check with your local garden. University of Saskatchewan, you know, horticultural, you know, websites and that have good spots. So that's one thing about oh, University of Saskatchewan. They have lots of webinars on as well. Um, oh, there's good. a couple coming on this month yet. Yep. And so you can check them. Some are about 20 bucks to, to join for a two hour web, webinar. And I think there's one coming up on winter composting. Uh, that should be coming up pretty soon. I think it's free. So, and you can join on the webinar for free on, on winter composting. Excellent. Okay. Let's take a quick break. We're going to come back with more just after this. Join the conversation with one 332 8255 You can call us or send us a text. I'm Jay with Jill and Rick Van Dyvendyke. This is Garden Talk on 980 CJME and 650 CKOM. You know, we got a pretty amazing vantage point here where we do this uh, garden talk show from uh, in Saskatoon, looking over the South Saskatchewan River that runs yep. through Saskatoon. And no word of a lie, right now, coming to you live, <laughs> we're, we're looking out, and what I, do we see? I thought there was somebody running on the ice. It's somebody paddleboarding. Somebody is paddleboarding down the river. And oh half half of the river is frozen. So the width of the river, half of the width is just ice, you know, snow. The other half is open water. There's, you know, some geese and ducks over there. And somebody on a paddleboard. Wow. They are brave. You have to be awfully good at that, too, because you know what? Those things are, well, you know, yeah. fairly tippy. Yeah, you got to have good balance. Guess it depends who you are, Jay. Okay, so I end up in the water a lot. <laughs> you got to be pretty stable on your feet. Some you know? people, you see, that they're just getting on one of those paddle boards. You see them, you know, all of a sudden they run a few steps forward, run a few steps backwards, all of a sudden they run right off the front of them. Oh, well, yeah. But, I mean, if, if that guy goes, or lady, not sure who, but yeah. if that person ends up in the... Well, that's going to be a cold bath. It's definitely not something I would suggest. That uh, <laughs> that river well, is very dangerous. At least the they, they got a they got a, a tether that hooked up to their ankle, so then you know you build. The, they stay with their board. They stay with the board. <laughs> Crazy stuff. Wow. Okay. That's the last thing with the garden Don't try talk. this at home, kids. <laughs> yeah. uh, we got a couple of things we wanted to mention that are coming up. We've got a, a couple of events around the province. Uh, for example, these are fun to do with kids is bird counts, right? Yeah, bird yes. counts. So you can go to the Nature Society and you can figure out where in your area there's doing a bird count. Now, there's a big one coming up on the 17th, which is this week. And uh, so you can kind of find the guidelines. You can do it right from your own home this way, or you can drive out and do it with groups um, yeah. in certain areas as well, but counting the birds really helps them figure out uh, what birds are, are thriving in different areas um, and just sort of wh- where they're migrating to, um, what we can be doing a little bit better to sort of help sustain. And um, if you go onto some of the websites, a lot of them have feeder counts too. So if you don't want to go out actually, you know, on, with a group of people counting birds, uh, you can actually do it from your from your window. Exactly. And then you can go online and put down what type of bird you saw and that kind of stuff. Yeah. How do you know you're not seeing the same bird over and over and over though? 
You get really good at it. Oh, okay. <laughs> you know what I haven't seen in years is a Blue Jay. Oh. Have you guys seen yeah. one in years? Lots, lots. Really? I've seen them all, yeah. Yeah, because whenever they have oak trees around, right? So where do you see them? Where do you, where well, have you there, seen them? There's some oak trees right close to the garden center in Saskatoon. Oh, so, okay. Uh, we have oak so they're forever they, and ever. They're calling at you, and all, you hear them all the time. So they are you, around. Okay, you oak trees, uh, Ohio buckeye trees, any nut type of trees, you're going to have blue jays around. Hmm. Okay, all right. So. Now, Jay, before the break, we mentioned the University of Saskatchewan is having some composting seminar webinars. Yeah, okay. and those are free. And the first one's on December fifteenth, so that's this week as well. So make sure you go on there and sign up. It's just going to teach you some trip tips and tricks on how to be successful yep. in composting in the winter and uh, and how to sort of add that into your lifestyle so that we are able to have some richer soils from some of our scraps that we're using in our home. Yeah, definitely definitely a lot of organic stuff that ends up yep. just in the garbage. Yeah, exactly, right? and you might as well use it to add to your soils later. And, and you can use wigglers, there's worms you can put into into your compost inside, inside that kind of stuff, and they just stay right in your compost, and they just break things down, so... It actually works really well. That's fine. That's, you know, fascinating because I find that in the summer, we've got one of those green bins, you know, yeah. and, and I put all my grass clippings into yep. it and it gets picked up by, you know, the, and they compost them in. At, exactly. It, yep. You know, every couple of weeks it gets picked up. So, you know, in the summer we end up putting lots of the food scraps and stuff like that that goes in there. Yep. But in the winter, it doesn't get, it, it never gets picked up, right? Yep, it's only right. a summertime thing. That's right. So I've only got so much space in that thing. And A and B, I don't really want to have it stink into high heaven, yep. you know, so there's, uh, there's certain ways of doing it so it does not stink at all. Yeah. Okay. I mean, that's the that's the and thing. That's what this course and this and this one here is free of charge with the University of Saskatchewan. It's a webinar, and uh, you can learn how to do that so you don't have the smell. So December fifteenth, mm. you can mark your calendars, and also January fifth, it's repeated in the new year too. So the other neat one that I think is is coming up, and we get lots of questions about this, is it's garden design ideas for farms and acreages, and that one is coming up on January twelfth, and so you can go to the university website site and register for that one. It's a kind of a great thing to do in January, especially if you have a new or old um, a yard, especially a farm or acreage, and you're wanting to sort of um, add a little bit more outdoor living and, and landscape to it, but maybe you want to add some windbreaks or some different things like that. How do I add some design to making my yard sustainable and successful? Just check out, you know, hook yourself up to a Facebook site from the University of Saskatchewan or mm-hmm, the Horticulture mm-hmm. Societies, right, or the Perennial Societies and uh Saskatchewan Perennial Society even and then you'll you'll they'll have links to all those different garden seminars and those kind of things so it's a great way to do it also you if you're looking for a great gift okay for someone that maybe is a gardener and there's the gardener for the prairies okay you can go online just gardener for the prairies the magazine, have, they, yeah. the magazine they put out four issues a year you know spring summer and fall and winter and then so that's a good subscription you can give that gets delivered right to the house that it's a magazine for plants for the prairies as well. So, a couple of minutes left in the show here. Let's talk about some other great uh, Christmas gift ideas because I know people maybe still be doing some Christmas shopping this weekend today, for example, right? Yeah. Uh, if you've got a gardener in your family, or that's who you're buying for today, uh, you know, I what I what I really want, and I I got to get it on my list is a good pair of pruners. Yeah, definitely, a good pair of pruners is something that a lot of people might have the list that they might not buy for themselves necessarily, but it will make all the difference when you're. Pruning. Another thing that I, I've been selling quite a few of is the heated bird baths or a little yep. bird bath heaters. Mm. And uh, so you're wanting to have that open water in your yard to invite the birds in all you year You want to attract round. lots of birds, just have a, a heated bird bath and out so there. so that's Absolutely. been something that's been a great gift. Again, I'm, tr- I'm always trying to look for something for that gardener that like 
what's something that they would love but they might not buy for themselves? Well, there are right? some, definitely some like some testing equipment that you know you could, they could also get too, For right? P- uh, we talk about pH all the time, right. getting your digital pH tester so right. you can test There's all that. the time. Yeah, you know those kind of things that putting together a little herb garden kit um, for somebody and getting them a bag of soil, a tray, and some herb seeds, and that's yep. a great way. Even for all ages, you can start that indoors or adding some grow lights. Um, you can get some under under the counter ones that you can just sort of mount up and just plug them right in, and that's a great. Great You'll see them across the chain well. stores. Everyone's those little arrow gardens, you know, those little little hydroponics with a little light on them that you yeah, grow some yeah, yeah, yeah. herbs and that right on. You'll find those anywhere almost. In, in I even saw one in the Indigo bookstore, and there was little little grow grow ball growing uh, um, like an arrow arrow growing um, um, chamber. Garden, yeah. yeah. So it's uh, for growing plants. It has a little light and hydroponics. And so there's lots of those kind of things you can get for somebody that they could do little gardening all winter long. I and I know you can come into the garden center and we have great sections for like plants for the collector, um, pet friendly plants. And we'll have them set, sort of set up into sections at this time of year so people can come in and they can pick a plant out. Low light plants, easy to care for plants, plant for the beginner. Um, so you can get all these plants that uh, you can sort of start a collection, maybe with somebody who has a collection already or get somebody going on their yeah, collection. Yeah, something unique, right? Yeah. Because there's some really strange air plants that are pretty yep. cool. There's a whole bunch of succulents that are very different, right? So there's some exactly. unique stuff out there, uh, definitely. And there's great, great books out there from Sarah Williams. She put out for zero scaping without water and all perennials and evergreens and all that kind of stuff. So there's ones that Sarah Williams are from the University of Saskatchewan, right? So that there's lots of books out there that are for the prairies as well. Awesome. Well, thanks for joining us this week. We'll see you the same time, same place next weekend as we get ready for Christmas. I'm Jay Thomas with Jill and Rick Van Dyke. This has been Garden Talk on 650 CKOM and 980 CJME.